Hey, buddy. Huh? Oh! <laughs> Holy crap! Oh. Sorry, man. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, this is uh, Fusebox uh, number uh, 243, Epiphilation. And uh, you... totally on our own. <laughs> Greetings, friends, and welcome in to, indeed, the 243rd edition of Fusebox, miraculously entitled Epiphilation, and uh, I, I uh, shall endeavor to uh, explain that title. There, there. Cheapest. <laughs> <laughs> so, so sorry, man. I, I just got carried away here with this. Sounds like you have your hands full in there. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I had to bring the fallopian racing hamsters in today. They're uh, refinishing the floors in my apartment, and I didn't want these little guys to be stuck there with all the fumes and shit. You know. Oh, well, that a very responsible action, Mr. Keynes. No worries. Hey, uh, Nellie, she's learned a new trick, too. Uh, she can run and dive right into a small cup at about 270 miles an hour. Huh? So I see. What, what, you know what? Perhaps uh, Eco and Milo can uh, entertain them as well, because I know Milo loves oh, to... Oh, uh, yeah, bro. Le uh, listen, uh, I, I had to kind of break up that situation. What? Were they fighting? Or... Oh, hell no. No, no, Milo was showing Nelly how to shoot craps. And I, I thought it was just a bad idea. I mean, she might put out somebody's eye, throw and die. You know what I mean? I, oh, I see. Yeah. Ever vigilant, Mr. Keynes. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> as I was saying, uh, welcome in, friends, to the program. And I am your racing at the speed of sound just to hear the echo host, Mark Rose. And over there, rodent wrangler extraordinaire. And, of course, the crown prince of compression, Milk canes, everybody. Well, thank you kindly. No, 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 no. Oh, Hiram, watch out. It's a, it's a hot switch. <laughs> uh, well, friends, the, the uh, title of this uh, particular episode, Epiphilation, is a combination, actually, of two words. Uh, epiphany. And revelation, because, well, we have that sort of show today. It's a, it's an epiphany because we have another installment of our ongoing spoken word series called Twisted Epiphanies, a delightfully insightful piece written by Rhett Tillman called Resignation, and uh, that's coming up in a bit. And it's a revelation because uh, we have a few stories from out there that uh, certainly will be a revelation to many as to what wondrous sounds can be made from vegetables. Also, 
mysterious black eggs from the deepest parts of the ocean. Yes, and but also a brand new offering from our good buddy 42nd Street Pete as he brings us a commentary on one of adult film's most famous offerings of the era and uh, probably not the one you're thinking of at this very moment. So stay tuned for that and uh, we'll just take a short pause in the proceedings here and try to uh, untangle Milt from his rodent ruckus. Oh, poor thing. It's finally here. Issue 3 of Grindhouse Resurrection Magazine. They said it couldn't be done. And they were almost right. Because of the squeeze being applied to small publishers these days by megacorporations, it's becoming harder and harder to get these magazines printed. Add to that... The twitchy algorithm that now looks for sensitive keywords like grindhouse and whatever else is the trigger du jour. But they couldn't stop this one. Banned on Amazon, as the cover proclaims, it's 76 pages crammed edge to edge. There's an interview with the late Gary Kent and his experiences with the Manson family. This one may ring a bell, friends. We know it rang Quentin Tarantino's bell. He turned this story into Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. There's so much more. Supplies are limited, so pick up a copy today before they're gone or swallowed up by an algorithm. Find them at 42ndStreetPete.net. Are you tired of endless video streams of silly animal tricks, awkward human calamities, and half-baked conspiracy theories? Yeah. No. 74. Meh. On this. Pech. Possibly. Uh, gosh, Uncle Carl. These podcasts are nothing but hot, steaming piles of shit. How does a guy find a decent podcast these days, anyway? <laughs> I know what you mean, Timmy. Here, try Fusebox. Apply Fusebox to infected area only. Wow. Thanks, Uncle Carl. Fusebox is the shit! Yes! Relive great Fusebox audio moments of past shows or current shows or current shows made previous to past shows running currently in the past. Feed your ears for hours of not really video but feels like it knee-slapping, sometime wholesome but not really audio goodness. Check out the Fusebox show on YouTube today. Alrighty, back to it, friends. <laughs> Are we okay in there? <laughs> oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, we're all good. Okay, splendid. <laughs> so, uh, to start things off, how about a twisted epiphany? We have this wonderfully uh, inspirational piece, I think I would say, actually, written and uh, narrated by Rhett Tillman. It's called Resignation. Voice of reason? 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 I cry. Why? Why should I prepare to die? Why shouldn't I look death in the face and shout, I deny you the pleasure of humble demise? I would rather go down fighting, dirty, scarred, and with a black eye, than quietly withering gracefully with impatient sigh. No, not I. You see, it's much too easy and entirely too pleasing to succumb to the hollow halls and sterile waiting walls of respectful silence and uncomfortable, awkward stares. 
and occasional rude glares of other shuffling midday grocery-goers. Perhaps this is my moment, my stage I strut and fret my hours upon. Perhaps there will be but a few lips and voices bearing my name when I'm gone. But it will not be today, or tomorrow, or easy and predictable, or likely even dramatic. No, I will live long, continuing in my stubborn nature to deny those demons that might devour another more temperate than I, more gentle and easy than I. And it will be slow. And by that time, we will all be ready. And I will know it's time to go. But still, I will fight. Why? Because I can. Because you can. Yeah, I dig that one a lot, man. Yeah, that's an empowering piece there. Uh, written and uh, narrated, as we say, by Rhett Tillman. And uh, we've, we've had the good fortune of uh, recording several pieces from her, and uh, we'll be featuring those on uh, upcoming shows. So there you go. The Hot Wire of Science. So, friends, a bit of a revelation follows here on this Hot Wire of Science segment. They're packing up the GOP and jettisoning them into the sun? Uh, no. Not, uh, not as yet, Mr. Keynes. Might be closing in, though. Uh, but be that as it hasn't, how about a uh, discovery of mysterious black eggs found at an incredible oceanic depth of 3.85 miles down? Miles? Yes, indeed. Indeed, Mr. Keynes, miles. Of course, this was a uh, robotic expedition, as you might think, at this extreme depth that uh, scientists discovered never-before-seen jet black eggs attached to a rock. Uh-oh. I think you're getting your wish of a gigantic 700-foot-tall lizard stopping Altoona, bro. No, you know what? I think Altoona is more your favorite destination, but uh, uh, no, no. These mysterious black eggs, after uh, further study and uh, DNA examination, the team discovered that the eggs belonged to a flatworm, an animal usually associated with more shallow waters uh, previously, Unknown, actually, to science. Well, I know I've read before that oceanographers say that we humans know the surface of Mars better than our ocean floors. Why, Mr. Keynes, I didn't realize you followed the science of oceanography. Yeah, I don't. Huh? Eco told me. Yeah, I'll see what I mean. Oh, oh, well, you're absolutely right, Eco. Uh, Water covers more than uh, 70% of the Earth, and it's... Pretty difficult to study, given the uh, range and uh, depth of these oceans. So, yeah, 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 makes sense. Uh, The report goes on to say that although most of the eggs were torn and empty, at least four eggs remained intact. And uh, these undisturbed specimens were sent to a team of invertebrate biologists at uh, Hokkaido University in Japan. And uh, after taking a closer look, the team realized that these eggs were in fact cocoons containing a handful of flatworms. Researchers said that uh, this was 
A particularly surprising discovery is they knew absolutely nothing about abyssal flatworms. They've uh, never been discovered at such immense depths before. In fact, the deepest flatworm observed before this discovery was found at around 3.23 miles. However, that specimen was attached to a piece of wood, so scientists can't explain if the worms originated at that depth or sank there. Before that discovery, apparently, the deepest flatworms ever discovered were found at only around two miles, according to the report in Science Alert. Now, as long as they don't find a flatworm that's two miles long, I'm good. Now, this, this is a treat. <laughs> Maybe literally. <laughs> Thanks so much to uh, Michael Sweeney for spotting this one. You know, I so appreciate that our listeners have a third eye peeled for stories for us like this. Um, you know? Friends, have you ever been making soup and, and, and thought to yourself, you know, I wonder what this leak would sound like if I made a flute out of it? You know, I can truthfully say I have never wondered that at all, ever. Well, wonder no more, Mr. Kane. No, no, I said never. Because for the past 25 years in Vienna, Austria, the much-beloved, I kid you not, Vienna Vegetable Orchestra has been cooking up a delectable repertoire of compositions using actual vegetables as instruments. Carrots, leeks, and lotus roots, over 100 vegetables in all, have apparently been fashioned into uh, playable instruments. Okay, this has got to sound like a chorus of farting giraffes or something, right? Oh, contraire, Mr. Keynes. It's it's rather wonderful. And I, and I have a brief clip right here of this very ensemble playing. Wait a minute. Those are vegetables? Yes, sir. And we have a video in our uh, new news section at the FuseboxShow.com if you'd like to actually see it. Also, a clip, that very one, is embedded in the YouTube version of uh, this very program. And uh, a link is uh, provided for that as well. So the story goes that 12 friends were cooking soup one day back in the late 1990s. And all of them, by the way, non-musicians at the time. Well, th they decided, wouldn't it be a hoot and a holler to see what this rutabaga would sound like as a marimba? Or, may or maybe this carrot has flute potential. Their first performance was in 1998, and, and since then, they have released four albums and performed more than 300 concerts all over the world. They've uh, rubbed leeks at the Shanghai Art Center, banged on pumpkin drums at the uh, Royal Festival Hall in London, blew through pepper horns at the uh, Centre Pompidou in Paris, and rattled bottle gourds at a sold-out 1,800-seat auditorium in Moscow. 
So they have to, like, make their instruments for every show, yeah? Brings a whole new meaning to a rancid-sounding band. Yeah, it takes about two hours to make their instruments, and according to the article in Atlas Obscura, for the audience, a performance of the Vegetable Orchestra is an experience for all the senses, because first comes the unmistakable scent of freshly cut vegetables waiting on stage for their musicians. Then there's the uh, bizarre sight of a group of men and women, all dressed in black, earnestly blowing into pepper trumpets, uh, tapping on pumpkins, and rustling onion skin. Soon the sound takes over and uh, washes away any of the skepticism. Uh, Quoting the article here, the vegetable orchestra performs at the giddy intersection of playfulness and virtuosity. Their unconventional instruments a challenge that lets them conquer new soundscapes. The music roams unbound, sometimes guttural and unmistakably organic, almost indecent. Then, turning clean and electronic, gently melodious one moment, and then riotously cacophonous the next. Can you eat the recording? I'm not, you know, I'm not sure about the actual disc, Mr. Keynes, uh, but it uh, does seem like a marketing no-brainer, yeah? But uh, uh, to that point, uh, stay with me here. Uh, the article goes on to say that uh, contact and condenser microphones help amplify the rather intimate vegetable sounds. The sound check takes another two hours during which the uh, orchestra carefully tunes their instruments to each other. Uh, quoting the uh, an orchestra member here, we never have a piece in the same pitch because we get different sounds each time we play it. The instruments also change their tonality with time as they dry out. So creating music with such uh, capricious instruments requires the band members to stay rather flexible and uh, in the moment. Every concert still concludes with a bowl of soup, a nod to the dish that started it all, and it's a way to uh, use up the vegetable parts that uh, weren't needed and connect with the audience, as they say. Uh, the member here going on to say, We serve the soup ourselves after the concert. It's not often you get to experience music you can eat. So there you have it, Mr. Keynes. A little continuity for you. Huh. Music that's on the required daily amount scale. Well, that's a thing. Well, as I say, friends, on our YouTube channel, um, as well as in the new news section of the Fusebox Show website, you can get a taste of the ve- of the Vienna Vegetable Orchestra for your own self. That's all what you did there. Well, I sincerely hope so. Contains language that may be inappropriate for banana slugs. TheFuseboxShow.com All righty, friends. It's time for another installment of The Grindhouse Minute. From our buddy 42nd Street Pete, this time, Pete covers a kind of film event. Or, sort of. And now it's time for another Grindhouse Minute with 42nd Street Pete. This is 42nd Street Pete, bringing you a Grindhouse Minute. Now, here's something that was sort of an event in 1980, the release of Insatiable with Marilyn Chambers. This is one of those deals where porn got the red carpet treatment 
He goes, we were going to go see it in New York. It was at the Pussycat Theater on Broadway. It was a work night. And as we pulled up, there was a huge line all the way down the block. I think she was actually there that night. So I'm like, okay, fuck this. There's no way I'm going to wait in line to see a porn film. So it was also playing at the Montauk in beautiful downtown Passaic, Jersey. So we drove down there. We parked. We went in. It was playing with another thing called Ball Game. But the weird thing was, okay, it's a good erotic film. And Marilyn Chambers was someone who basically never overexposed herself. So when she did do a film, it was sort of an event. So, you know, we're halfway through the film. And all of a sudden, the film cuts out. And the manager yells, Hang on for a second, fellows. One of our projectors broke down. We'll be with you in a second. And then they start the second reel about 10 minutes later. And it's one of those things that if you're going to call a porn film a classic, it is a classic. I believe she did a sequel and another one. She was really cool. You know, I, I met her at a couple shows. We were talking and unfortunately uh, she passed away, I think, a uh, medication problem or something. She took two meds that didn't work together. Stay safe. We'll catch you on the flip side. Yeah, it's kind of a bummer. She was only 56 when she died. I heard. Yeah, evidently, as Pete said there, it, it was uh, suspected it was a result of a chemical mix. A uh, report said the painkiller hydrocodone and the antidepressant citalopram were uh, found in her system, if that's how you mangle that. It's uh, still a debate, though, whether that contributed to her death. Still don't know, really. You know, though, she had a brief flirt with the mainstream films. Uh, David Cronenberg cast her in his uh, 1997 film, uh, Rabbit. Uh, you got that one up there in your... Uh... Yes, that's right. It's in the collection. Yes, yes. Here's an interesting bit of trivia, too. In uh, 1974, <laughs> she starred in the dinner theater production of The Mind with the Dirty Man in Las Vegas and uh, received favorable reviews for her work. The play ran for 52 weeks, which at the time was the longest-running play in Vegas history. And uh, the mayor gave Chambers the key to the city. Then, in 1977, she starred in Neil Simon's Last of the Red Hot Lovers, uh, also in uh, Vegas. Well, you know, I guess most folks are aware of her early career as a model. Uh, the most famous job was as that uh, ivory soap girl on the ivory snow uh, soap flake box. She was uh, posing as a mother holding a baby under the tagline, 99 and 44, 100% pure. Yeah, you know, some folks thought she was the baby. Yeah, I remember that. Yeah, crazy. Well... Rest in peace, Marilyn, uh, wherever you are. Next time, Pete will be telling us the tale of Shanghai Joe, another classic from those grand and grainy grindhouse days. And with that 99 and 44 100% pure grindhouse morsel, we'll call it a show, friends. But not before thanking our contributors on this edition of the program, 42nd Street Pete for another action-packed edition of the Grindhouse Minute, Aaron Lane for exquisite ID linerification mint, Jeff Pollard, and Rhett Tillman for spoken word splendids. Thanks, as always, to the raconteur of rodents, uh, the uh, maestro of the meters, Milt Keynes for technical assistance and so forth and so on. A sincere slice and... Uh... Sorry for the uh, 
glitches, bro. Oh, <laughs> no, no, no worries. Nothing insurance can't fix. <laughs> <laughs> hey, folks, you know, you can help us keep all this uh, stuff running smooth as well by uh, going over to our Patreon page and uh, becoming a member of the show. Yes, yes, you can. For less than it costs you for a package of those ridiculous rice crackers that taste like styrofoam, and truly, truly, no one ever eats them. You can help support this entire program for a month. You'll get free swag right away, uh, early access to shows, and all sorts of exclusive stuff, because, well, you're exclusive and shit. That's uh, patreon.com forward slash... The Fusebox Show. Yeah, and also check out the YouTube version of this here show, too. It's got all visuals and stuff and like that. Link, as always, in the show description. Thanks, as always, to you, friends, for bravely pushing play on this edition of Fusebox. We're so very grateful to have you along on this ride through the canyons of someone else's mind. I have been your taking the fast track to the slower lane host... Mark Rose saying, until our next cartoon. Fuse box.